everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for the movie fans. I am your host, Brian Dunleavy, and joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hey, everybody. We have an excellent show in store for you, and we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about box office updates a little bit of Shang-Chi and the legend of the Ten Rings. We're going to talk about maybe everyone should just be listening to Christopher Nolan. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then we'll follow that up by people who are not listening to Christopher Nolan. And we will, of course, do our watch list. And we're going to do a special thing where we're going to rank order franchise. We're going to attempt to rank order franchises by their box office results. So that should be fun. Let's jump right in. Uh, box office results from this past week. We have a new number one for the first time in three weeks, and that is Candyman. The Jordan Peele horror movie made $22 million in the box office in its opening weekends to top the charts, followed up by the very strong showing once again by Free Guy at $13.2 million. Paw Patrol keeps ticking along at $6.7 million, and Jungle Cruise coming in fourth and it's been out for like six, eight weeks at five million. And Jungle Cruise has now crossed the hundred million dollar line on domestic box office, which is very impressive uh, currently and under current circumstances. So, Rob, what did you make of the box office results from this past week? Uh, I I'm not surprised, I guess, that Candyman did so well because one of the things that we've seen in the box office, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in an article we're going to look at, is that horror movies have seemed to do pretty well, um, especially compared to budget. And I think that's kind of been a general trend over the last Mm -hmm. few years, but it's really apparent now when there's not a whole lot of demand for people to go out to the theater, necessarily. Um, I also think that Free Guys continued sustainability is pretty impressive compared to some of the other movies that have come out and not been able to hold the audience the way it has. Yeah. It makes you wonder if, if quality becomes a much bigger draw. Once people know that a movie is good, they will go to see it, but they're not going to see just whatever, because you throw it out there. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if we're starting to see a trend to which, the movie has to actually be of high quality in order to get results. Now that would be an interesting trend. (laughs) (laughs) Now Hollywood is notoriously extremely slow to, to get on the uptake on these things, but that would be interesting. But of course you also have the other thing with Jordan Peele, um, his reputation in horror combined with uh, the fact that that just seems to be a genre where the movies don't take a ton of budget, but there's a big market for them. Yeah, if anyone can hear my son asking for cookies, that was my son asking for cookies. So, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the joys of recording a podcast when I'm alone at home. <laughs> cookies are what cookies are, man. Yes. They just, you need a cookie. Cookies. You need a cookie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm continuing to be impressed with Free Guy and and its sustainability and the fact that it is not dropping off. And I would imagine we're still going to see decent results from Free Guy uh, going on. And I think what you're seeing is that trend of people saw it, liked it, and now saying you need to go see it. And then 
the word of mouth spread is is strong with that one. And the the thing about that too is that there's there seems to be not that same effect when there's an option for it to be streamed because people yes. will say you need to see it and then their friends will say okay I'll watch it at my house. Correct. Seems to be what we've seen. Yes, I agree. So yeah, we have uh, encouraging results for some of those movies at the box office from last week. Now, this being Labor Day weekend, you're obviously going to get a big release. And this Labor Day weekend is not an exception. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the newest Marvel movie, is out now. And this one, they made the decision not to have a streaming option. So we will see what that does. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, the tie-in here is that uh, in the first Iron Man movie, the Ten Rings were the organization that he was being forced to build weapons for when he was in the, in the cave, mm. in the original Iron Man um, they've been talking about that in some of the trailers. So that's kind of its connection to Marvel, but it's going to kind of be its completely own story. And it's been a while since we've had, um, I don't want to say completely original, but where we've just had a character who has had no role in Marvel get their own movie. Uh, what what are your expectations and, and what are your thoughts going into Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? I think that one thing it has for it is the uh, demographics of the cast. So we haven't really seen that kind of um, focus in a superhero movie to this point, I don't think, where it is mainly focused on Asian, Asian American, um, that kind of uh, that that kind of group. And so I think that will help it in the box office. The question is, will that be like a sustained thing? Will that be a temporary thing? I don't really know the answer to that. Um, I think one thing that is a little difficult for it is that, like you said, it's kind of like its own IP. It's like a brand new thing. It's not Iron Man. It's not Captain America. It's not Hulk. Like, it's not something that a lot of people know. Like, I know for um, just as an anecdote, when my wife saw the trailer for it, she was like, what's that Marvel? I've never heard of that. <laughs> I think that's probably like 90% of people. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see if it gets that word of mouth like we were talking about. Because mm -hmm. like we said, since it had a streaming option, uh, Black Widow really suffered, I think, in word of mouth. Because I thought it was a really good movie that if it was only in the theater, a lot more people would have gone to see it. Because people would have told their friends about about it and they would have wanted to go see it so we'll see if it has that effect in this movie or not because in the past with marvel we've seen properties like guardians of the galaxy as one example that were not well known that people didn't know much about that became huge hits because they were well done and people talked about them mm -hmm. so will this be the same it's hard to really know yeah yeah basically they're trading on the marvel name and hoping that the Marvel name will be what drives people out. Having seen some of the trailers, like it looks like it's going to be a decent movie, but nothing in the trailers sparked me to believe that 
this is like a legendary, amazing, phenomenal movie. Um, my anticipation level is eh, whatever. I'm going to go see it. It's not like, it's not like I'm not going to go see it, but um, my excitement level as I go into it is, it's not high. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm willing to hope, I hope that it's good, but I'm not like beating down the doors to have to see it. Yeah. I'd say it's about where I'm at as well. I might actually go see it tonight. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's going to be the question is, will people go see it? I think, I think they will. Um, and then we'll see if it's a good movie. And if it's a good movie, I think it'll have a good run. If it's average or okay, I think you'll see another drop off, but we'll see. So that's uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh, out in theaters this weekend. This one does not have a streaming option, as I, I think I said that earlier. So, yep. Got to go see it in theaters. All right. So that's the box office. Uh, let's go on to a couple of other stories. And uh, you brought this one to my attention. Uh, a Forbes article recently put out, uh, says... Uh, is basically revisiting what the thoughts are about Tenant and its box office results now that we have basically another year of movies post-Tenant. And uh, Rob, since you brought this, I'll give you first crack at, at this article. What, what do you think as they re-examined what Tenant's performance was in the box office in light of the past year? So when Tenet first came out, it was viewed as like a massive failure because it didn't make. What do, what, do you remember what it ended up making domestic? I have yeah, three hundred and sixty-three point seven million worldwide yeah. on a two hundred million dollar budget. And so people saw that and went, "Oh, that's terrible!" Interstellar did eight hundred million. Dunkirk did, I think it was like five six hundred or forty or five hundred forty something like that million so how how could this be deemed a success and it's only done just over 300 and um this was supposed to save the theaters and there was just so much expectation and weight put on it to the point that when it did so poorly uh, a whole bunch of other movies were moved because the theaters got scared of or the uh, studios got scared of how they performed in the theater and it turns out that Aside from a very select few movies, uh, Tenet has performed better than almost everything. Yep. So, and I, I believe I believe that when this happened, when it first came out, and we talked about what does the performance of Tenet actually mean, I'm pretty sure that one or both of us said something along the lines of perhaps the studio's expectations were just too high compared mm-hmm. to what reality is, and it appears that that was the case. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think I can sum this up by saying Christopher Nolan is right and everyone else is wrong. When Christopher <laughs> Nolan says something, you listen. <laughs> so when Christopher Nolan says, no, you need to put this movie out and you need to put it out in theaters. Listen to him. And when he says things about the movie industry, listen to him. I think that's the moral of this story yeah. is listen to Christopher Nolan. This podcast yeah. is not sponsored by Christopher Nolan, although it feels like it a lot of the time. I know. <laughs> uh. I, I just started reading the book on him, The Nolan Variations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's fantastic. But 
Um, I think what, especially now with the more recent trend of us seeing the damage that streaming has done to the longevity of bigger movies at the box office, um, I think Nolan hit it exactly on the head that if you make a good movie, if there is appeal to your movie, if you are a big director and you put it out, you're going to make money on this movie and people will come to the theaters to see it. Um, but you have to do it right. And um, I think the, the studios continue to take the wrong message and the wrong tack on, on some of these things. And um, I think you're seeing that Christopher Nolan is every bit the draw that we all thought he was, even in a time, even in a difficult time, because this came out literally a year ago. So, I mean, we're, you know, despite what you think about the virus or what everything is going on, we are, we are at a better place. There's a vaccine now. And, mm-hmm. um, and so the fact that he was able to do what he did with that movie in the environment that we were in a year ago, I think just really sparks to the fact that, um, the lesson should have been from studios to reset based on tenant, not to view tenant in a disappointing fashion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the only movies that did better that have done more than tenant were, I believe F nine and I want to say, I'm trying to find it right here. Um, trying to think uh and uh black widow i think yep yeah i think and they said that if it were an ideal world jungle cruise probably would have made like 400 or 500 or possibly more Mm -hmm. million and it's just not that world right now yeah yeah and and he he made a ton of money on this film overseas so not only was it you know, a good domestic result, but he made so much money overseas on this. Nolan is a great draw overseas. And I, you know, and they talk about, you know, reasons why they actually did it. Maybe they were just wanting to get it off because they off the books because they knew they wanted to do a dual streaming options. They knew Nolan would never go for it. Um, yeah. um, but it's, it's interesting. And I think, um, I think we're starting to see that movies like this who debut in theaters will do better. You got anything else on this one? Yeah. I, just, uh, I guess the only question is if you would have waited until like uh, a couple months ago, if they would have delayed and delayed and delayed it, could it have made even more? But uh, that's, it's hard to say because that's just an entirely alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think, yeah, it, this is, you know, and using it as a tentpole, and we keep hearing about these tentpole movies, but nobody actually wants to make their movie a tentpole, which is what we'll get into, except for Nolan. Nolan was the one who wanted it and, and, and said, let's do it. And he is the one who got theaters back open. So, okay. all right. So our, our second story, which goes along with this one, um, is that um, we have a couple movie delays, which is not cool. And I'm not a fan of this whatsoever. And these are Tom Cruise movies are moving. The big one here is uh, Top Gun Maverick. 
Top Gun Maverick uh, was supposed to come out November 19th, and it is moved to May 27th, 2022. I feel like I watched the trailer for this movie five years ago. I know. it's. I mean, Tom Cruise may be dead before this movie comes out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so they're citing uh, the increase in the Delta variants and uncertainty in theaters. Uh, but Tom or Top Gun Maverick moves, and as a result of Maverick moving, Mission Impossible moves out of the slot that they just moved Top Gun into, and Mission Impossible 7 is now headed to September 30th. Yeah, we can't have two, two crews. <laughs> can't have Can you two imagine crews that? On one weekend. Both of those movies debuting on the same weekend. I mean, yeah. like, they're just like, get your Tom Cruise love out there right away. <laughs> yeah, it's the classic drive-through, drive-in double feature of um, Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tom Cruise double feature. I mean, you could actually see like a really cool marketing campaign that could come out of that, you know? Yeah. Come see Tom Cruise. Come see the action movies. I mean, you, you could put a lot of publicity into that if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. They're never going to do it, but uh, it would be fantastic. Now, this drives me nuts. This is driving me up a wall. And this is that continued, I'll let you get your say here. Um, this is for me, this is that continued idea that studio execs are so risk averse that they are not, they are so short term in their thinking on this stuff that they are not willing to put anything out there unless they can get what they perceive as the ideal circumstance, which yeah. who knows when that's going to be. If you're going to yeah. move it, I mean, now, like when, what are you going to yeah. do? And they're, to me, they're not seeing what they're doing to their industry. And now I'll, I've got more stuff, but I'll let you comment before I just rail on I this. I feel thing. like by the time the new James Bond movie comes out, it will be time for me to die. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm not even going to give you crap about that pun either. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. So, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it is frustrating. Um, because you, as someone who likes to go to the movies and likes to see the big movies when they come out, you plan that, you get excited about that, mm-hmm. and then they rip it away from you. And we thought Tenant was bad when it happened, and we had no idea like how much worse it would be as yeah. we kept just going and going. And Dune is another example of one that just yeah. keeps moving and moving and moving. Mm-hmm. And this is what I would say, like, they are not thinking long term about the health of the movie industry at all, because if if you continue to push your movies back and not give movies for people to go see and, and not do this, what happens is that people just forget about going to the movies. It becomes it becomes just not a part of their lifestyle. And I think you've seen some of that already. And, and it's not that I, I think there's a piece of it where it's like some people are not comfortable in the theaters. That's obviously going to be a piece of it. But I think there's another sense in which people have moved going to the movies out of their standard. Hey, this is what we want to do for fun. Or this is what the weekend could hold, especially mm-hmm. if there's nothing out there. I mean, I remember having a conversation with my dad, uh, you know, a number of weeks ago. And he's like, I wanted to go to the movies and there was like nothing to go. So I didn't go. There's nothing I wanted to see. And I think there's just so many people that are like, oh, I'd like to go to a movie. And then they look and the, the slate has almost nothing they want to go see in it. If you keep doing that perpetually, what's going to happen? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as when, you know, movies first started coming out and it was all indie yeah. things or yeah something like that. But it's still not great. Yeah. Well, and it's like it's like the the ones who were wanting to go see them right away were like the diehards. But now we've gotten to the place where like the average person who goes to a few movies a year is starting to look to go to see a movie. And if there's nothing they want to see out in the moment, they're like, okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. And there's and everyone's just going to look at him like, well, there's no point in getting hyped up for that movie. Who knows when it's going to come out? Yeah, there's just no telling when uh, that will shift or if it will. You know, at some point you have to say, this is where we're at. We're going forward. And the, and the execs in these studios just seem to not understand that. <laughs> they, they can't get on board with that concept. And I think the long-term damage they're doing to the movie industry as a result is just staggering. And I don't think we even know the depth of that at this point going forward. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what happens when... We're back in the real world if that ever happens. <laughs> if we're ever allowed back in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. You got anything else on this? I think I'm I'm done. Yeah, I know. You're done ranting and raving. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the article, which we'll link to, basically says, well, at least some of these other movies coming out have the dual streaming option. And I'm like, have you guys not been paying attention to the results, the dual streaming option? Um, yeah. Like that's not working out so well. Um, but we still have, uh, it looks like, I mean, I think, I think so far bond is committed, like bond is fully in and committed in October at this point. Now, <laughs> you know, I, I am not going to be placing any wagers on that coming out, on yeah. time. but so far it seems like it's still committed. If that happens, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty skeptical about that. I mean, I'm to the point where it's like until I'm sitting in the theater and I and I see the credits come up, I'm thinking they're going to pull this thing. Yeah, (laughs) like literally like up until the moment the movie actually gets on screen and I'm in the theater. I play all the trailers and it just comes up. Sorry, just kidding. (laughs) Sorry, we decided it's too late. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, enough of that. Let's go on to our discussion topic for today and for our discussion we thought we would do another kind of box office uh number rank order but we're going to do it a little bit differently this time we're going to pick a series franchise series and then each of us picked one and we'll ask the other one to uh order the movies based on their box office results um so I picked for Rob to answer the Terminator series. And Rob, you picked Star Trek? Yes, correct. Okay. Who's going first? So uh, I guess you can give me them first. Just remind me of all the movies that you are including in yes. the Terminator series. Yes. Okay. So there are, for you two rank in order, there are six Terminator movies. So keep that in mind. You need six. You have Terminator, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, and the last one to date, Terminator Dark Fate. The first one came out in 1984 
the latest one came out in 2019. All right, I I am going to guess that. Hmm. And this is adjusted box office. I, I tried to find the adjusted box office okay. numbers and I couldn't find the good ones. So we're just, it's a raw domestic box. Okay. So that so, does make a difference. It's yeah, raw that does domestic make a big box. difference. Um, I'm going to guess then that maybe Genesis is number one. Uh, Salvation 2, Terminator 2, 3, uh, Terminator 3, Rise of Machines 4, Terminator 1, 5, Dark Fate 6. Okay. Probably else, but... I probably should have wrote these down when you were actually <laughs> saying them. Let me, let me go. So you well, said... my guess was Genesis was number one. Yeah, Genesis... And then, and then you went uh, salvation. salvation. Then, then Terminator two, two, Terminator three, Terminator one, and Dark Fate. And Dark Fate. Okay. Um, here is the order. Number one, the number. Well, actually, let's go in reverse order. We'll go okay. in reverse order. So, lowest on the domestic box office, Terminator. The original Terminator made thirty-eight million dollars. I figured it would be low. I put it next to last, but I figured yeah. since it was the very first one, it wouldn't have. You were you were not that, but you weren't that far yeah. off. That that wasn't a bad call. Uh, between that, because the next lowest on the box office is Terminator Dark Fate, the newest so one, the second lowest. So yep. you had that, you had that correct. Uh, you just had, you know, figuring that that the uh, the original one would make a little more. Yeah. So that made sixty two million. Okay. Dark Fate made sixty two million. Next lowest, Terminator Genesis at eighty nine hmm. million. Interesting. Yeah, eighty nine million. Um, then that brings us to third. Third place was Terminator Salvation. Which I'm surprised, uh, I'm surprised that the newer ones didn't make more for going yeah. by street numbers. The last two really didn't have the appeal. I thought Genesis was actually a half decent movie, but I think everyone yeah. just kind of panned Dark Fate. I think you were the this the franchise experiencing a little bit of a, a malaise, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so Salvation made 125 million. Uh, next was Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines mm -hmm. at 150 million. And number one, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, widely so, considered the best of the month. Yeah, and I would have, yeah, that's why I picked it third, because I, the only reason why I put it behind the new ones is because I thought the new ones just made more money by virtue of being new. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, unfortunately... Yeah, I, don't feel, I don't feel too bad about that. Yeah. No, your guesses were your guesses were logical. Unfortunately, none of them are in the right order. <laughs> unfortunately, they are all incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see your reasoning behind why you picked each of them. 
So, so since there are about a billion Star Trek movies, I'm going to give you the five that are in the top five. Okay. And this is adjusted domestic box office. And okay. I'm going to give it to you by the year they came out. Um, so Star Trek 1979. The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 2, 1982. Star Trek The Voyage Home, says so Star Trek 4, 1986. Star Trek, the new one, 2009. And then Star Trek Into Darkness, 2013. Those are the five movies that are in the top five adjusted box office for Star Trek. And I just gave them to you in the order that they were released, not the order that they are. <laughs> yes, because that would be uh, not fun for yes. the game. We're <laughs> in the point of the game. Okay. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do uh, Star Trek... Uh, 2009 at number one at number two i will do the wrath of khan three i will do into darkness Mm, four i will do star trek the 1971 version and five i will do voyage home Although well, I might be wrong on the original Star Trek because yeah. that might be a lot higher than that. You can be good, at, uh, feel good about yourself because you got the number one one correct. Star Trek 2009. Yeah. Had the most gross domestic adjusted box office, 314.8 million. Um, second was actually Star Trek 1979. Okay. See, I. 301.2. After I was already done with the list, I'm like, wait a second. I think I remember that that made a ton of money. Yeah. It was a terrible movie, but it made a lot of money. Third is actually The Voyage Home, Star Trek IV, 270.9. Yeah. Fourth was Into Darkness, mm-hmm. 254.9. And then fifth was The Wrath of Khan, which you had guessed was second at 245.9. So they, not a huge difference to like $50 million between mm-hmm. the top four. So it's not, you know, it's not really a huge deal. Yeah. Now, my other question for you is, what do you think is the least grossing domestic adjusted box office Star Trek movie of all time? That's a good question. I would guess that it's Insurrection. It's actually Nemesis. Is it? And Nemesis. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, I meant yeah. Nemesis. Yeah. Nemesis sorry. only made. That's on me. Nemesis only made sixty-eight million dollars adjusted. Yeah. Box office, which. Uh, I'm sure you're like not happy about because you love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one, that's the one I meant. Star Trek Nemesis. It was, yeah, that one just, it was just, it was on the verge of being great and it just wasn't. (laughs) Tom Hardy. (laughs) Yeah. And it had Tom Hardy as the bad guy. It's like, it's so like they had, they had a concept that really could have worked. If they had made it like 10 years later when everyone knew who Tom Hardy was, it probably would have been way more impactful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I don't see a ton of people running, but, oh, I love Tom Hardy. Let's go watch Star Trek. Yeah. Was- yeah. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> yes. Uh, the uh, original Star Trek 1979 performed incredibly well. Like you mm-hmm. say, only $13 million below the 2009 version when you're talking about adjusted. Yeah. And that would be coming, that would be coming off the fact that the TV show was such a huge mm-hmm. success. And I just, I don't think you see that very often anymore. Right. Maybe that'll be a future topic, successful uh, TV to movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Star the original Star Trek would probably have to be the the best of that. I oh think. yeah, absolutely. I would say I would think so. Um, funny story about this: they were actually developing a second TV show mm. with some of the original cast. Kirk was not going to be involved, but Spock would have been. So they were actually developing a second one. Then when Star Trek came or Star Wars came out and they saw there was a huge market for sci-fi movies, that's when they shifted gears and went to start producing movies. And And they ran through those for a while and led up to the next generation, which is also a very acclaimed TV series. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. We will uh, obviously come back to more games along those lines at some point. Uh, So let's move on to our watch list. Movies that we watched over the past week that we will give a brief uh, synopsis and uh, our thoughts on. Rob, what did you watch this week? That's a great question. I just watched a movie the other night. Oh, yes, I watched uh, Soul on Disney+. Mm. Plus. Okay, I watched before, but um, as someone who's a musician who plays the piano, especially since the movie focuses on a piano player, uh, I really enjoy it. It's an exploration of jazz culture and also a lot of very deep thought around what happens to us when we die. So it's like classic, classic, uh, happy, sad Disney Pixar kind of movie. And I recommend Jamie Foxx plays the main character and does a fantastic job and Tina Fey is in it as well. And it's just, it's got a lot of heart. It's funny. And if you like music, it has some really good music in it too, especially if you like jazz. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend watching it, uh, soul. And I, I think I watched some other things. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a ridiculous week. I didn't write it down. Um, You're lost in the shuffle, man. But I am really, really hoping that either tonight or tomorrow afternoon I can go to the theater and actually watch a movie again in the theater because it's been a little while. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I watched two movies, and so I'll focus mainly on Free Guy. Have you? You have not seen Free Guy. I've not seen it yet, but go okay. Ahead. So I will try to avoid large scale spoilers. Um, Basically, uh, I thought it was excellent. I, th- I thought uh, the vibe that you got uh, from the trailers was exactly the vibe you got in the movie. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is, of course, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, there's not uh, there's not any mystery what you're getting from him, but it still works. Eventually, I think sometimes they're you know your shtick runs out, but he is not he is not at that place yet. What's fascinating to me about this movie is it is a movie that can only happen in the era that we're at right now, because it it takes some assumptions about the computer world, like the whole idea of NPCs. You know, 10, 15 years ago, you'd have a very, very small amount of people who knew what NPCs were. The fact that it it just basically relies on you understanding the basic realm and the basic world of video games, things like even Grand Theft Auto is the first that comes to mind. The fact that it takes the assumption that you understand that world and doesn't do a lot to explain how all that fits in. Hmm. It just assumes that you have at least a casual understanding of those things. And that's something that just could not have existed 10 to 15 years ago. 
even maybe even sooner. Um, I think there's a hilarious clip going around of uh, of a an older woman. I think there was a family who accidentally went to see Free Guy. Yeah. And they interviewed this like older woman about her thoughts on it, and uh, it's it's something else where she because she has no clue about the video game world, any of that stuff. So that's uh, that's been going around. Uh, but in terms of that, I thought the acting was excellent. Um, YTD uh, was uh, was his typical self, although I don't think he was as funny in this as he is in a lot of it. But I think that's partially because he was supposed to play kind of the jerk. <laughs> and and so I think he had to rein down the humor a little bit because you're not supposed to like his character, but he still got his uh, his his quirky stuff in there. Um, um, Jody Cromer, I thought was excellent. Comer, I think. Comer, I don't think there's an R in there. Uh, I thought she was very, very good in her role. And uh, it really does, it really does play to the spoof of the video game, uh, the, the vast disparity between the video game world and real life um, and, and how they do not mesh well. I thought that was, that was good. And the plot, the plot was actually surprisingly engaging, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say that probably be my one worry going into it. Because it looks very focused on visuals, which, you know, you'd expect in a movie about a video game universe. Yeah, and they they did a good job bringing bringing a level of heart to it, and and actual character development, which I thought I I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to pull off, and I think they did that better than expected. Now, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a legendary all timer, but it, it's it's quite good. So that's Free Guy. Uh, the other one I saw was uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I've been rereading mm. the books. So once I finish the book, I go watch the movie. Nice. Uh, the Order of the Phoenix is the one where um, they finally did something about Harry's hair. Because his hair was so ridiculous in the Goblet of Fire. And they're fun of like, okay, we need to give Harry a legitimate haircut. And so, that's, you know, if you, if you were looking for the deep analysis of Order of the Phoenix, Harry gets a haircut and it's, and it's a, a positive nice. development. <laughs> nice. Um, just for that. Yes. Uh, but Order of the Phoenix, I, one of the things I love about the Order of the Phoenix is how well they cast, especially the role of Dolores Umbridge. Uh, the actress they found to play her portrays exactly what her character is in the book and you're just so annoyed at her and you hate her and like that that mousy little like you know false laughter false niceness i mean just had that down to a t uh, that was a really it was a standout performance sometimes the characters you hate um you don't necessarily want to give credit to it, but the reason why yeah. you hate them so much is because they're doing such a good job of acting. Uh, so I thought it was one of the one of the more standout performances uh, of the series was the the acting of the woman who played Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, what's great about that character is if you're watching through the series like in order, you're like, oh yeah, this series is so great. I remember loving this. Oh, it's so good. I love this. And then she shows up, and you're just like. Oh yeah, this person. Yeah, I hate this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh huh. And I think I think as I'm going, this is the second time I'm reading the books, 
and I've seen the movies a bunch more. Um, I think the one thing the movies have done is they've done a good job taking out the rough edges of the books at times. Mm. Like one of the things I found is Hermione is significantly more annoying in the books than she is in the movies. Like they managed to round that down a little bit and smooth that rough edge. Um, And the same thing with like the order of the Phoenix, Harry is just so angry the entire book. (laughs) And he's so, he's so ridiculous and angry the entire book. And they show that because that's a part of the storyline, but they don't take it so far where it's just ridiculous. Like sometimes I think the books got a little too deeply into some of that stuff and they were able to smooth that down a little bit. Okay. Well, that was what we watched this past week, and we will close out today with a recommendation. And with the upcoming football season, NFL season, you've got college football starting. You still have the summer sports going on. It's a great time to recommend a sports movie. So, Rob, recommend to us a sports movie. I, it's possible I might have recommended this movie before because I think I recall possibly doing that, but I don't have time to go back and watch every single episode you've ever done. Um, but uh, sports movie for me, the hockey movie called Goon, mm. stars Sean William Scott and Jay Baruchel, um, written, I believe, by Jay, and uh, just a really funny look, witty look at what it means to be the guy who beats other people up on the hockey team. And what it's like to live that kind of life in the minor leagues, not making it to the big time and just going to these small arenas and being the person who's in charge of beating everyone else up. (laughs) And the struggle involved in that and the lack of security involved in that. And uh, it does a really good job looking at connections between teammates and finding humor in that whole um, universe of minor league hockey, which there have been some other really good movies done uh, in the same area but i really like good there's also a sequel that was decent uh, but definitely the original is the best one and i'm going to recommend one that maybe i've recommended before also moneyball i'm going to go with moneyball uh, i thought about going with major league but i decided to go with moneyball and i think it's it's a seminal movie because it it explores the story of the first some of the first ones out of the gate with the analytics And now basically almost every sports team and particularly in baseball has an analytics department runs their stuff based on analytics. Um, Things like the shift that have just absolutely taken over baseball. Uh, Some of that stuff began in Oakland and, and the emphasis and actually committing to building a team around that came in Oakland. And that movie is a, is a story of that, how that came out. And it's just such a brilliantly done movie. It's, a, it's an excellent script. Brad Pitt is amazing. The way they tie it in to what's actually happening and the moments and, and what it takes to uh, kind of be the first ones out and, and the level of courage it takes to stick to a vision, I think really, really shows through on it. So that's Moneyball. Uh, and that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Film for Fans. Make sure you rate and subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast. And until next time, enjoy the movies. I'll find my-